I would say one of the most difficult things for people to do is to come to the knowledge about themselves, to come to the knowledge about who we actually are. Um, and probably, of course, the main reason for doing so, or, or the main reason why this is so difficult, rather, is because it tends to be rather painful. Because we have to look at our failings, we have to look at our lack, we have to really see what we are not and what we ought to be. And yet this is precisely what the season of Lent is for. Uh, to, to look at ourselves, to be honest about ourselves, to reflect on our relationship with God, and particularly to be honest about our sins. To be honest about what our sins have done. And if it was not for our sins, Jesus would not have been crucified. The truth of our sins are that they are damnable offenses against God, and we deserve damnation. This is straight down the line, Catholic and even Protestant teaching. It's straight down the line. You know, it's, it's not something we necessarily always hear, but it's true. It has to be true. If it's not true that our sins are that bad, then Jesus' death on the cross was a huge overreaction. Does that make sense? I mean, it took God's death on the cross. You know, God becoming man in Jesus Christ and then him dying on the cross, suffering and dying on the cross to let us up off or out from under the weight of our sins. That's simply what we believe is as Catholics, as Christians. It's the most central tenet of our faith. And so, you know, it's my job then to make you feel really, really bad about yourself. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's my job to help uh, in some ways, at least in the, in the spiritual realm, to help us to all reflect on, on sin, on the commandments, on, on where we've, we've gone wrong and where we need healing and where we need reconciliation. Now, it's, it's true in one sense, especially in this area, that ignorance is bliss because if you didn't know certain things were wrong, they couldn't be sins. So I'm about to spoil all of that for you. Now you will know, because what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take us through a brief, a brief kind of group um, examination of conscience. Because in the first reading, we have the giving of the Ten Commandments. The giving of the Ten Commandments. And I think it's, I just, I feel like it's, it's, it's really important for us to reflect on these things. I had somebody down in Ashwork after Mass, and they said, Father, you made me feel really bad. And I said, I didn't make you feel anything. We don't make other people feel things. You feel bad because of what you did. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> now, that's not my goal, though. Okay, I want you to know that that is not my goal. I don't want you to, that's, it's not my desire. But inevitably, when we do things wrong, we will feel bad. However, the feeling bad is a good emotion insofar as it leads us to reconciliation, to forgiveness, okay? So let's review. The first commandment, thou shalt not have any gods before me. This is one of those sins that people often don't really confess directly or, or perhaps think about directly when they're thinking about their sins. But of course, 
in a sense, every subsequent sin or offense against the other Ten Commandments is really an offense against this commandment. Because every sin is preferring something else to God. Whether it's a, a created thing or a pleasure or a, a person or ourselves, it's preferring something else to God. And, you know, what God clearly says, it's not just about worshiping other gods. Of course, it's about that too. But it's also elevating things to the level of being a God. And this happens all the time in different people's lives and in different ways, of course. Some people elevate their career to the level of their God. They elevate possessions to the level of God or the pursuit of money, you know, or they, they elevate relationships to the level of God. They actually will, will essentially raise the level of, of their, the person they're in a relationship to, to a place that only God should be. And despite what your husbands say, they are not God. <laughs> that was just a moment of levity there. Um, you know, but this can happen when, when people place a relationship higher than their relationship with God. So that the other person becomes more important than God is. Um, Okay, so you can extrapolate that to any other thing that becomes more important and gets in the way of pursuing our relationship with God. The second commandment, often people mistake. They mistake uh, the difference between profanity and vulgarity. Profanity is when we take something which is sacred and profane it, make it common or use it in vain, namely God's name, the name of Jesus. Vulgarity is just your run-of-the-mill four-letter word, which is not, does not fall under this commandment at all. So, you know, if you think about uh, culture, if you think about watching TV, and um, it's, it's amazing to consider which words they will leave in, if it's a sitcom or whatever it is. They'll always leave in, you know, the God words or the Jesus words, but they'll always bleep out the vulgarity words. Right? The F-bomb, the F for instance. Right? They would never say that on TV. It's the worst thing. It's not. You can't go to hell for saying that. Can you go to hell, Father, for saying God's name in vain? Yes. God says it very clearly. Now, when a person, we always have to remember that if, for, for it to be a mortal sin, it has to be grave matter, freely chosen, and with full knowledge. So if somebody blurts out one of these words, a true, truly a profanity in a moment of you know, pain or, or surprise or whatever, that's somewhat involuntary. So we're not really talking about that as far as a mortal sin. It would still be a venial sin. But um, I, I find that most people just kind of get into the habit of saying particular words as expressions. And unfortunately, they're taking something sacred and using it for something you know, secular or common. They're profaning God's name. This is a sin. So Father, are you saying it would be better to use vulgarity? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Because it's not an offense against the second commandment. We'll get to, when we get to number five, we'll, we'll talk about how vulgarity could be sinful. Um, so moving to number three. Notice the three things that are the, it's, it's really interesting, the three top sins in the top 10 list given by God, they all have to do directly with God, right? No gods before him, don't take his name in vain, and honor the Sabbath. 
So right from the beginning, the Jews understood when Moses came off the mountain, they understood that worshiping God was commanded. And to not do so would be a grave offense against God. This has been, if you will, on the books for 5,000 years. You know, our forefathers, of course, being Jews. And, of course, they worshiped the Sabbath on a Saturday. And then the Christians, because Sunday was the day of resurrection, shifted the Sabbath to Sunday. And so the Sabbath is given to us by God so that we can worship him. You might, I mean, think about this. How much does God really ask? And I know that people struggle with going to Mass. And even some of you who are here, you know, you struggle with maybe getting here or sometimes it's inconvenient or whatever. But God is asking for about an hour a week. I mean, an hour a week. And my Masses are like 35 minutes. <laughs> Usually, it'll be a little longer today, depending on how quickly I get through the 10. But, you know, God's not asking for a whole lot, really. I remember when I, when I shifted the, the mass times, um, I'll just, I'm just going to say this and be honest with you. I had a number of people say, well, Father, you shifted that 8 a.m. till 10 a.m. Now the whole day is ruined. Lots of people said, well, a handful of people said that. And I imagine a few other people beyond. To which I immediately thought, ruined. This day is God's day. It really doesn't matter when mass is. It's God. It belongs to God. It doesn't matter if it's 10 or 8 or 9, you know. And, you know, there was a time when the Jews, you know, the Jews celebrated the fact that God had spoken to them and taught them how to worship. And it's the same with us. Jesus Christ has taught us how to worship him. What gratitude we should have that we know how to rightly worship our God who has saved us. I mean, it's an interesting thing if you, if you consider it how we think about Mass. I have to go to Mass. Do we have to go to Mass? Yeah, it's a priority, and God is not asking a lot, really. Now, of course, along with this, well, what if I'm sick? Well, then you don't go. Stay home. What if my husband's, is, husband's sick? Well, in that case, you better stay home, because he's going to probably die without you. What if, what if they, I mean, you get it. So if our freedom is impeded, all right, that, of course, that changes things, all right? But normally speaking, just sort of, I'm not going to go this Sunday. It's sinful. Four, children. Wake up, children. Children, yes, you had to go to Mass today. Number four, this is the one your parents love for me to talk about. They don't like me to talk about any of the other nine, but number four they love. Because that has to do with honoring your father and mother. God's command, children, and even, unfortunately, all the way up to teenagers, God's command for you, the most important command after those top three, are that you would obey your parents. All right? And it's hard to understand. I, understand, I get it. And it's hard to do. It's even harder to do. But what, what your parents are supposed to be trying to teach you is how to be obedient to authority. And right now your parents are your authority and that authority is given to them by God. God gives them this authority over you. And so if your parents rightly use that authority and use it well, they're teaching you how to be obedient to that lawful authority, which once you're out of the house, you no longer have to obey your parents. Now you have to just, you know, obey God directly. 
So when your parents sort of liberate you or free you or you free yourself from the house, now you have to obey God directly. But right now, this is a very important commandment. And the Lord says that you will be blessed because of it. Fifth commandment should be obvious. But some extrapolations of the fifth commandment. Abortion is always murder. It's always wrong. Some forms of contraception can uh, spontaneously lead to abortion. And so therefore, not just be contraception being an offense against the sixth commandment, but it also can be an offense against the fifth commandment because of the spontaneous abortions. If you want more information on that, I can of course talk about that more one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Also with the fifth commandment, remember I was talking about vulgarity, right? Vulgarity, if we just use it as a sort of expression, um, in a moment is, you know, maybe a venial sin. But if we use it in anger, and this is where the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, extends. It extends to harming another person physically or emotionally. I mean, it would extend to something like bullying. It would extend to, you know, using our words or vulgarity to harm somebody verbally, to verbally abuse them. In these ways, these are also offenses against the fifth commandment. The sixth commandment, which I will try to talk about somewhat veiled. Um, of course, thou shalt not commit adultery includes any kind, of, um, any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage with another person or alone. Um, it also includes the use of contraception. This is just, this is straight down the line Catholic teaching. Um, the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. That's obvious, don't take what isn't yours. But also there's other ways, you know, in which we can sort of cheat our employer, or we can, we can cheat another person. Actually, this just happened to me. I, I bought something off eBay about 10 days ago, and the guy said he sent it, but it never showed up, and never showed up, so he gave me a refund. Well, it just showed up yesterday. <laughs> and of course, I know full well that, you know, he already gave me a refund, case closed, I could just let it go. But that wouldn't be honest, right? So. Um, in one of my better moments, you know, obviously seeing that for what it was, of course I paid it. Of course I did. Because it's the right thing to do. That would be another example by extrapolation, you know, of, of how that can be stealing. Eight. Now, eight, thou shalt not lie. Father, what about a white lie? Is that a mortal sin? Am I going to hell? No, because a white lie is the, the matter of it is less grave. It's less serious. So the more serious that which is lied about, the, the graver the sin, the more grave the sin. And one of these things principally that we run into has to do with gossip, okay? And gossip can be, can be sort of separated into two things. Gossiping about somebody that is either true or that is false. So one is called calumny, where we're, we're saying things about another person that are just untrue. All right, and the gravity of what we're saying makes it possibly and very, very often a mortal sin, especially if we're harming somebody's reputation. But detraction is saying something that's true, but another person doesn't have the right to hear it. I mean, how many times, don't raise your hand, how many times have we heard, well, I know I probably shouldn't say this, but it's true, as if that excuses it. It doesn't, because other people have the right to their reputation and their good name. So even if we know a, 
you know, a, a particular failing of another person, sharing that with somebody else and harming them could be a grave sin, a mortal sin. So to finish up with 9 and 10, these have to do with envy, desiring what other people have, sort of a sadness that other people have what we want. All right, the first one, of course, it has to do with the desire for other, other persons with lust or something like that. People ask me questions. Well, men ask me questions. Father, what if I have a thought in my head? Father, I don't know if you know, but, you know, the, these thoughts just come into your head. And, you know, and I say, yeah, I, I got an idea. I kind of know. You know, I'm a guy, I'm not a robot. So, well, Father, when is it a sin? Well, when, when thoughts just pop into our head, they're not yet sins. You know, even if they're, you know, if they're lustful thoughts or if they're, uh, you know, violent thoughts. Because crazy thoughts, it's common. Crazy thoughts pop into our head. It's temptation. It's, it's many different things. Where it becomes sinful is when we start making a movie. <laughs> we start making our own movie. So here's the thought. And then we start... A half hour later, we're still thinking about it, or 10 minutes later. That's where we begin to take possession of it, and it becomes our responsibility, okay? And then uh, coveting the neighbor's goods, this has to do with a, a sort of, uh, you know, almost sort of a, a, a constant longing for what we don't have. An inability to be grateful for what God has given us. Always longing for something else. If I only had that, I would be happy. Now, this is different from saying, you know, I want to save up my money for a nicer house or a nicer car or something like that. that that's, that's legitimate. That's just common stuff. But if we refuse to be happy because we have to have that other thing or another thing or a larger home or a better car, or, you know, if we refuse to see the goodness in our life now, we're refusing to, to see how God is active in our life now. Always longing. It's a sort of spiritual sickness because we cannot be content with what we have. Okay. Holy cow. This is the worst mass I've ever been to. I feel horrible, Father. Um, <laughs> well, again, you know, to circle back, the reason we do an examination of conscience is not so that we'll feel bad. I don't want any of you to feel bad. The reason we do an examination of conscience is so that we're honest with ourselves. We just want to be honest with ourselves. And if we need to improve, fine. God is not out to get us. God is out to free us. God is out to give us his mercy. But he can't give us his mercy if we don't ask for forgiveness. And so during Lent, this is what we need to do. If you need to go to confession, those times are in the bulletin. You can always just grab me, you can call me, you can find a time to, to go, and, and those times will be available to you if you need to go to confession. If there are venial sins on your heart today, all right, now normally when we start Mass, that's what the penitential rite is for, but if you hadn't been thinking about these things, bring them to the altar when you go to communion and say you're sorry to God. Those venial sins are forgiven directly by God. And remember that this season is about reconciliation. It's about becoming closer to our loving God. Please stand.